Amen. 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 I'm excited about um, uh, the Word today. How many of you love the Word of God? Listen, if something resonates with you, we like to be a loud church. We don't like to be a quiet church. You can jump up. You can shout. You can say amen. Get involved with the message. I'm not the only one preaching. You're preaching today too. Amen. And so uh, I'm excited about the Word of God. I'm excited about what God uh, has for you today because it is good. How many of you just love Josh and Holly? I love Josh and Holly. Incredible couple. Incredible couple. Um, uh, this, um, this message is the good life part two. The good life part two. Last week we talked about the good life. If you didn't, uh, if you weren't here last week, we have that on our podcast. Go on our website or on podcast, check it out. And uh, it really lays the foundation. I'm going to kind of, um, I'm going to give you kind of uh, the foundation of it in a second. And then we're going to go beyond there. So we're going to start in John 10, 10. I love the word of God because it's powerful. I love the word of God because when I receive it, it changes me. And my wife is gorgeous today, by the way. <laughs> I heard a pastor say uh, one time, you shouldn't talk about your wife and how, how she's hot. And I thought, well, I looked over and was like, well, your wife's not that pretty. That's why you're getting kind of mad. I'm just joking. That's not Christ-like. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't have that problem. Amen. John 10, 10 says this. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose, say his purpose, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Another translation says, a life more abundantly. God wants you to have a good life because he's a good God. God wants you to have a good life because he is a good, a good God. That word life actually means zoe in the Greek. Z-O-E, Zoe in the Greek, and it has a certain meaning, and it is defined as a state when one is possessed with vitality. It's inspiration. How many of you want some inspiration? It's encouragement. It's renewed strength. It is health. How many of you want health? It is also explained to be an absolute fullness of life, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God and blessed. That's the life that Jesus is talking about. He wants us to have a blessed life. John 18, 12 says, Jesus spoke to them once more and said, I am the light of the world if you follow me. Say that with me. If you follow me. You can underline that. You can highlight that. You can put a star by that because it's so important. It is uh, conditional. If you follow me. Jesus did not intend for us to believe in him and not follow him. And then he said, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to Zoe or life. How many of you want that life? See, a lot of people, they, they uh, focus on not failing more than they focus on following. If you focus more on following, you will fail less. And a lot of Christians, they think, I can't do that, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to avoid this, I'm going to avoid that. And that's their focus, and they start to actually gravitate towards doing those things because they're focused on those things. But when you're focused on following Jesus, you're able to overcome those things in your life. Do you believe that? 
You know, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, then you have to follow me daily. Write that down big in your notes, cap, all caps, or uh, daily, daily, daily. Jesus said, hey, if you follow me, it's a daily pursuit. It's not, a, uh, it's not just something we do on Sundays or life group. It's a daily pursuit. He said you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Denying yourself means that you're yielding your thoughts to his thoughts. You are taking up his thoughts. To deny yourself, pick up your cross means that you're picking up his mission and you're following him. It means that you're obeying his Holy Spirit. How many of you glad that he didn't leave us as orphans and alone, but he gave us his Holy Spirit to follow and he urges us and he moves us. And and that was the first part of um, us talking last week about discipleship, which is a daily discipline. Discipleship is a daily discipline and it's part of the good life. Uh, I want everybody to to pray for me, sincerely pray for me, because I don't know if y'all know, but my family bought a dog six months ago. So I need some I need some grace. The dog was about two months old, and uh, and and you know there was it, there was a condition that I you know I talked to my family about. And I said, hey, listen, um, I never thought I would ever have a dog because. Uh, I'm not a big animal lover, but if you really want to have a dog, then you're going to have to take care of the dog. You know, you're going to have to uh, feed the dog, water the dog, you know, water the dog like it's a plant. (laughs) Give it water. (laughs) You know, you're you're going to have to take care of the dog. Well, the thing is that the dog got a lot bigger. The dog is now eight months old, and it's still a puppy, but it's got tons of energy, and it's bigger, and it's yanking my kids all around. They can't really control it, and neither can my wife. So they have said that we can't do anything with the dog. Only you can do things with the dog. You see how they turn that on me? They're like, we can't get out because he's jumping on us, knocking us down, and, and he's really, he's so big. And, and so it was, it was a way of shifting the responsibility on me. So, uh, Leah's not liking this conversation. So, so I mean, I, we made a decision. Either we're bringing the dog to an obedient school, or we are going to have to give the dog away. Guess who brought the dog to the obedient school? Me. Thank you. <laughs> I brought the dog to the obedience school, and I can tell you, uh, it wasn't fun. I got there, and all the dogs are sitting. They're all laying. They're all healing. My dog is a frisky, undisciplined dog that is uh, acting inappropriate with other dogs and uh, not, really, not really obeying. Did you know there's like a dog etiquette on how to greet each other? I didn't know this. They were telling me about it. I'm far away from that. But, you know, something that was encouraging, they all kind of like, all the obedient dog owners started saying, listen, my dog used to be like that. Don't worry. And they said, the trainer said, listen, this is what you have to do. I'm going to teach you some things, but it's going to have to be a daily discipline to be able to get this dog to do what you need it to do. How many of you are glad you have people in your life, like church, like when you first got saved, they understood, hey, I know you don't have it all together. I know that you're, you're not as disciplined as you would like to, but trust me, I've been there. How many of you can say, I've been there? And that's why we come to church, because you're able to say, listen, I've been there. 
and it's going to take some work, but the work really pays off. You know, I, I had this picturesque thought in my head that that uh, the dog was just going to uh, obey my kids and, and just it was going to work out. It, it didn't pan out that way. And a lot of times when we give our lives to God, we have this idea of what it is to serve God, but we realize that we have to change. So it was a, a dog training, but it was really a training school for me. It was me in training, and it was, it was this. Hey, if you're going to want him to be able to be right and do right, then you're going to have to start to take daily disciplines. How many of you know we don't like to take daily disciplines? We don't like it sometimes, but it is really what causes us to come into life in victory. God gave it for free, but we have to maintain this life of victory. How many of you want to maintain it? Now, When I think of people that are determined, they are determined to follow after God, I think of Paul, the apostle, and he was the ultimate um, uh, disciple, and he was the ultimate disciple maker, and he really gave us a secret to daily discipleship. He gave us a secret to really serve God and uh, be able to, to... Uh, be determined to live this good life, and we find it in Philippians 3, 12. Let's read it, 12 through 14. It says, not that I've already obtained it, this goal of being Christ-like. How many of you say, I haven't really attained that yet? Paul's saying, it's not that I've already obtained it or already been made perfect, but I actively press on that I may lay hold of that perfection for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me and made me his own. Now listen to this, brothers and sisters, I do not want, I do not consider that I've already made it my own yet, but one thing I do, say one thing, forgetting what, is, what lies behead and reaching forward to what uh, lies ahead, I press on towards the goal, say the goal, to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at this word, goal. If you look at this word goal, the original meaning of this word means hitting the mark. Hitting the mark. It means that you hit the mark. Now, when when I was little, I used to do this really crazy, exciting thing called going outside. It's amazing. You know, I used to go outside when I was little, and we would just kind of play around. We didn't need electronics. Can I hear Amen. Your imagination was all that you needed, and if you were a young boy and you had a BB gun, that's all you needed. You're shooting tadpoles, you're shooting frogs, you're shooting everything you can shoot. But listen, you had to have uh, target practice, right? You had to have target practice, and listen, you practice shooting your BB gun because if you were with your other friends and you couldn't really shoot good, then you were a wussy. And so you practice all the time on how to shoot. And this is the thing. You would get it down, and when you would hit the target in the very middle, somebody in your group would say, bullseye. Do you remember that? Bullseye. You knew you hit the mark when you heard the word bullseye. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I want you to hit the bullseye. I want you to hit the bullseye. The title of my message today is hitting the bullseye. Hitting the bullseye. Now look. This is what he says is hitting the bullseye. What does it say it is to live this life and hit the bullseye or hit the mark? What does it mean to hit the mark as far as a Christian 
life. Let's look at that. What does it mean to hit the mark? This is what Jesus said in uh, Matthew 11. He said, walk with me and work with me. Walk with me and work with me. How do you hit the mark as a Christian? How do you hit the bullseye? How do you hit the mark? It's when you are full of God and you're following God. It is when you're full of God and you're following God, meaning that you are listening to his Holy Spirit, that every day, how do you hit the mark? How do you hit the bullseye? You say, God, I got to get connected with you. I need to walk with you and work with you. How many of you want to hit the bullseye? Now, it's true that in our lives, sometimes it can be difficult to hit the bullseye, but we have to understand You know, just like that dog class, I can get overwhelmed. But when I start understanding things, I begin to have the knowledge to be able to call something that seems like a hopeless situation come in line. How many of you want to get God's wisdom on how to hit the bullseye? Let's look at this. In the book of Galatians, Paul wrote this book, Galatians 5, 22 through 25, he talks about the Holy Spirit and what it is to follow the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed these passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Listen to what he says. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. In every part of our lives. And just our ministry, no. In our family, at our workplace, everywhere we go, and everywhere we, everything that we do, we're following the Spirit's leading. Listen, look at your neighbor and say, you got to follow. Now, what is it to hit the bullseye? What is it to hit the bullseye? It is when you decide, I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. Now, see, this could be a terminology that freaks people out. Like, what does that really mean? Well, you have a choice to love. You have a choice to love. You can say, what is the Holy Spirit? Should I get mad at this situation or should I love? How do you start following the Holy Spirit? How do you start hitting the mark? Start loving. Instead of getting bitter, start to love. Joy. How many of you know that joy is a choice? Joy is a choice. Joy has nothing to do with your circumstance. Joy has to do with you being thankful and beginning to have the joy of the Lord in your life. Patience. Your kids are running up to you. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and talking to you, are you going to be led by the Holy Spirit and be patient? This is, this is how we follow the Holy Spirit. This is how we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Kindness. How many of you know it's good to give? It's good to give. And, you know, James says, don't tell somebody that's in need, God bless you, brother, I, I'm praying for you, but you never... Uh, step out and do something by faith and actually give. How many of you know that kindness is important? Goodness is important. This is how we are led by the Holy Spirit. But how many of you know that that takes grace? It takes grace. It takes getting connected with God, and these are the things that flow through your life. You're able to have the grace in your life to follow these things. How many of you want to follow love? 
You want to follow peace. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not about all the eating and drinking, the outwardly things. The kingdom of God has to do with peace, joy, and righteousness inside your heart. So really, God wants to start to change us on the inside by being connected with God so that we begin to overflow and follow the Holy Spirit, and that's when he shows up in our life. This is where the good life is. Now, do you know the definition of sin? The definition of sin is literally to miss the mark. It's literally to miss the bullseye. So a lot of our lives sometimes look like this. Have you ever missed the bullseye? So, so you, 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 uh, you're trying to love, but bitterness creeps in. Now you have a bad attitude, and listening to the Holy Spirit is really difficult. You ever been there? Am I the only one? How about when, when you should be patient, but you blew it? You blew it. You have fits of rage. That doesn't look like the Holy Spirit. Am I right? And it shouldn't be justified. Am I right? It's either you hit the mark or you didn't. How many of you want to hit the mark? You know, patience, kindness, these love is patient, it's kind. Am I right about it? Love keeps no record of wrong. There are times when if we don't follow the Holy Spirit, it's very difficult to do what God's asking us to do. You might say, well, you know, uh, see, you do these things first, and then you begin to hear his voice at another level. How many of you know that you need to start somewhere? you got to start somewhere. And if you know the fruit of the Spirit, it's half of the battle because you know where to be led and where, how to be turned and, and what to do. You know, uh, this in our life, when it comes to our marriage and, and it comes to our workplace and it comes to our everyday life, it's going to take being connected with God because you can't do it in your flesh. The flesh does not want to follow the Spirit of God. The flesh wants to do its own thing. It is the opposite of the Spirit of God. But how many of you know it's life when you choose to follow the Holy Spirit? Now, you're not going to be able to do it by willpower. You're not going to be able to do it because you are just so disciplined. You're able to do it because you're connected with God and you have the grace to do it. Are you all with me? And so today, I want us to make the decision that, you know what, every day in my life, I want to hit the mark. I want to hit the mark. And the good news is that if you don't hit the mark, there's always a new day. Aren't you glad that God says his mercies are new every morning? You get a new try. You get a new day. And you get to wake up and say, I'm, I'm forgetting what is behind, and I'm going to hit the mark. It's where your life lies. It's where your zoe lies. It's where your blessings lie is when you say, I'm going to be connected with God, and I'm going to allow God to move me. How many of you want to be connected to God? Now, I want to give you three steps to hit the bullseye. Three steps to hit the bullseye. Number one, number one is you have to admit that you're off target. Come on, somebody. Don't say, well, it's okay. It's okay that I'm hitting the target way high to the right. You know, it must be the, uh, it must be, I'm going to blame it on somebody else. You know, it's, it's my circumstances. It's the way that I grew up. It's, uh, it's my background. It's, uh, it's in my blood. No, no, no. You got to say, listen, I'm not hitting the target. The first thing you have to do is admit that you're not hitting the target. If you can't be perfect, be honest. Come on, somebody. 
Be honest. Quit saying, quit saying, you know what, I'm not hitting the target, it's okay. I'm not going to say anything about it. No, what we really knew, need to do is we need to say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. With your mouth, I'm sorry. Say it with me. Say, say it with me. I'm sorry. See how, see how easy that is? Sometimes in marriages and relationships, this is the hardest thing to do. Is saying these two important words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't hit the mark. I'm sorry. All God asks for us is to say, you know what? I'm off target. I'm sorry. Let's look at this. First John 1 9. Are y'all okay? But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. How many of you know that God? God wants us to confess our sin. What is it to confess? It's to say, God, I'm sorry. A lot of times we can just be used to our own failures, but how many of you know if you've given your life to God, you have the Holy Spirit that's connected with you. You're not living your own. Now you have a partner. Now you have, you're in a marriage, and the marriage is with the Holy Spirit. And when we don't hit the target, sometimes it can grieve the Holy Spirit, and this is what the Holy Spirit wants to hear. I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I repent of that thing. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for that thing. And a lot of times we can live life and mess up and be like, God, you know I'm sorry, and just try to go on. But the secret to your freedom is to say, God, I am sorry. Sorry, that's three words. I am sorry. And look, in, in John 16, 7, it says the Holy Spirit is your helper, and he convicts us. He convicts us. How many of you appreciate the conviction of God? Come on, how many of you are glad that the Holy Spirit convicts you? The Bible says that he convicts you of righteousness. In other words, you might think that, it, that it's not that bad, but the Holy Spirit's like, ah, I don't want you to do that. I want you to change that. That's not you. Now, see, there is a big difference between conviction and condemnation. Am I right about it? What, is, what does it mean to be condemned? What does it mean to be condemned? When you are condemned, you know that you're going to get punished for that thing that you did. You get this thought, bad things are coming because I did wrong. And that's why people want to avoid repentance because they have a mindset that if I don't hit the target, God's going to punish me and bad things are coming. Let me tell you, that is not conviction, that's condemnation. That is guilt. God does not want you to live in a state of guilt. As a matter of fact, in Romans 8, they said, the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that is good news from my Heavenly Father that He has made me free. I mean, Jesus, when He died, the Bible says that He died for our sins. Once and for all. Read it. Hebrews 10. He died for our sins once and for all. You are free. You are free. You're free from condemnation. You're free. He said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but I came that you might have life. Zoe. Quit feeling condemned. Okay, you didn't hit the mark. You didn't hit the mark. Just admit it. Just admit it, and then, and then once you admit it, go ahead and adjust your aim. 
when you're shooting a gun, you got to say, okay, I didn't hit the mark. What do I need to do to hit it? So what do you do? Do you pout about it? Do you go home, take your ball, go home and cry? No, you say, you know what, i got to adjust some things to hit the mark. How many of you want to adjust some things to hit the mark? See, see, repentance is not just saying, I am sorry. Repentance is saying, I'm changing the way that I think. The things that I think I know, I'm going to put aside, and I'm going to say, God, teach me how to hit the target. Am I right about it? My brother-in-law, Chris, uh, Chris and Becca, it was Becca's birthday a couple days ago, by the way. It was Tammy's the week before that. Did you give them a bunch of money and flowers <laughs> for their birthday? So it will happen to you. If you sow into them, it will happen to you. So we went, we went, uh, we went uh, on a date, double date, and, and Chris, you know, Chris is into this movie. Chris is into this movie that I, I really, I, you know, it's on Netflix. I tried to get into it, and to be honest with you, I couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into it because I didn't understand it. Right, and he's trying to tell me because really I like things that are like more like realistic. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? But this is more of like a sci-fi movie. And he was like, dude, I want you to get into this because when the next season comes out, I want to throw a party. I want to throw a party and see the, the, the movie that he's watching is set in the 80s. And he's like, we're going to all dress up. We're going to get into this thing. And he's like, listen, I know that, you know, you watched one episode, you didn't like it. But let me explain to you what it's about. And he started explaining to me, and the problem that I have is I have sometimes a realistic mindset, and he was like, hey, this is what happens in this movie. There are two different worlds, and they fold together, and when you put a pencil through it, then one world comes to another. Just like you don't understand, I don't understand either. <laughs> if you were thinking, I'm not smart enough for that movie, <laughs> join the club. Two worlds put together, pencil inside of it, one, a portal from one to the other. It could happen. No, maybe, I don't know. And he was like, this is what you got to do, man. This is the secret. Forget everything that you knew. Forget what you knew. Forget what you see and just believe it's possible. It is actually possible that there's other things in this and that. And, and he said the only way that you're going to get into the movie is if you erase what you know and start to rethink how this thing flows. And in our life, to really change, to really be able to get into this God thing, to be able to really walk with God and be with God, you have to change the way that you think. You're going to be able to be involved. You're going to be able to be involved in the victory. But it's going to take changing the way that you think. You know, when you adjust, when you adjust your aim, when you're shooting things, there's two things that you usually do. One thing that you can do is you can adjust your sights. Look at your neighbor and say, adjust your sights. Now, what does it mean to adjust your sight. See, a lot of times we think that our human nature cannot, uh, cannot really hit the mark. And if you were honest, you would say, I don't, listen, I've been trying for a while, but, but I don't think I can. It all comes down to what you really believe. It all comes down to what you really believe. If you're not hitting the mark, then you have to know you probably don't have just a sin problem. You have a believing problem because you think that your problem is bigger than God. 
You think that your problem is something you, you have this problem that you can't overcome. I love the way the message puts it. Eugene Peterson puts it in the message like this in Romans 5, 20, 21. I want you to grasp this. Look at your neighbor, shake him a little bit and say, you got to get this. All that his passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Let's keep that up there. We got to change the way that we think. Your sin is not bigger than his grace. You got to believe that the Holy Spirit inside of you is greater and bigger than your mess ups. So maybe in your mind, subconsciously, you think I'll never hit the mark. But God is saying change the way you think if you want to get in this thing. You got to know that the competition between you and your sin does not match the aggressive forgiveness that we call grace. Do you believe that? Next verse, when it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. Now, let me pause right there. See, a lot of people think that grace is just unmerited favor. It is unmerited favor, meaning that you get favor that you don't deserve. It is unmerited favor. So we always think of grace getting out of sin, but God says grace keeps you from sin. So it's not just grace is going to get me out of something that when I believe the power of his Holy Spirit, grace is going to get me through something and I can go around that sin and I can begin to conquer. But it's going to take changing the way that you think. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, and that's the end of it. Grace, because of God putting everything together against through again, through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. He's saying, you want Zoe? You need some grace. You want some grace? Admit you're wrong. You want some grace? Stop thinking what you know and begin to pick up what God says and you begin to have grace. You are saved through grace by faith. So maybe you don't have a sin problem, you just have a believing problem. Maybe you don't have a sin problem, you just have a believing problem. And and the truth is, you know, God wants you to begin to know that he's with you and he's stronger than that thing. See, you got to adjust your aim. After you check your sights, adjust your aim. See how you're aiming. See, how, how many of you have shot a gun, you shot an arrow, you shot something like that? Now, now, when you mess up bad, if you don't have confidence on the next shot, you're going to mess up again. It's the same thing with uh, basketball or, or anything like that. If you don't focus on the goal and think you can really hit it, if you don't have confidence that you can hit it, then you're not going to hit that thing. You ever had in the back of your mind before you pulled the trigger, you like flinched? Or before you, before you let go of that bow, you, you thought, oh, maybe this isn't the right time, and you just kind of let go, and it didn't hit the mark. See, if you want to really adjust your aim, then you're going to have to change some things and believe some things different about yourself. Am I right about it? So you have to see yourself correctly. I want to read this, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He He, talking about Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the righteousness of God. Period. 
See, when you gave your life to God, you're the righteousness of God. You are made right in God's sight because of what Jesus did. So when God is looking at you right now, he's not looking at your sin. He's looking at you through the line, through the lens of the blood of Jesus. Isn't that good news? You got to see that you are made right with God. Not only that, but you have a greater power inside of you. You got to start to see what Jesus paid for. Man, you've got some value. You can overcome some things. You got to start to get confident and say, I'm more than a conqueror. Come on, how many of you believe that you're more than a conqueror? It says, so that in him we can become the righteousness of God. How many of you can say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? you got to start to talk to yourself. you, you got to start to say, I'm going to overcome. He's going to finish the work that he started in me. Quit looking at the past and say, I'm the righteousness of God. God has changed my life. Yes, maybe I missed the mark, but he's going to give me the grace to hit the mark. Greater is he that is in me. I believe the Holy Spirit is in me. I believe he's finishing a work in me. I believe he's getting me through. I won't get discouraged. I won't back down. He's getting me through this thing, and he's going to begin to teach me. See, a lot of times when we go through sin, the same sin over and over, it's because we're not changing the way that we think and we, we don't change, we're not being taught, but God wants to teach you. The third thing is this, and if I can get somebody to come and play. Andrew, don't come and play, you can't play. Number three, give it another shot. Give it another shot. Give it another shot. Look at your neighbor and say, Get it, give it another shot. In other words, don't quit. Don't quit. When you don't hit the mark, adjust your aim and give it another shot. Paul said, I forget what is behind. It's over. It's over. My past is over. Forget about it. Say it with just a mafia voice to your neighbor. Forget about it. <laughs> See, you need to forget about it, and you also need to see what God has for you to do next. See, this is the problem with us. This is the problem with our human nature. When we don't hit the mark, we feel like that we have to pay for it and do a whole bunch of work to get back to hitting the mark. The truth is you just have to repent and say, God, I'm going to believe in you, and now I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to have victory this time. Come on. The righteous fall seven times and gets back up seven. Does it say the righteous never fall? No, it says when he does fall, he bounces back up. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that we serve a God that does not, he does not give up on us. He believes in us. He says, maybe you don't have it right now, but keep at it. Every day, keep at it. Don't quit. Shoot again. Pull the trigger again. Go for it again. Forget the past. The Bible says that when we repent, our sins go as far as the east is to the west. It goes into the abyss of the sea, the deepest ocean. I heard a pastor say one time that if your sin is in the deepest ocean, don't you need to put a sign in the ground in the water that says no fishing here. You don't need to go back and pick up that sin that God already forgave you for. You need to forgive yourself and you got to move forward. Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. I feel... I feel people getting free today. Doesn't it feel good to be free? It feels so good to be free. You know what, you know what the Bible says about our freedom? Read it in Galatians. He says you're free, but use that freedom to love others. You're free, 
You're set free. There's no condemnation. God's forgiven you. He sees you with eyes of love. He says, but use that freedom to serve one another. Use that freedom to love people. So I'm not saying, you know what, you know what, God, I feel better. You forgive me, and I, my conscience is clear, and so I'm just going to kind of live my life till you know, I kind of, you know, need you again. No, God is saying, I forgave you, and I cleansed you and cleared you so that you can begin to follow me, that you can begin to love other people. I'm going to read this, and we're going to close. Luke 22, 31 through 32. This is Jesus speaking to Simon. Jesus already knew that Simon, or Peter, was going to deny Jesus. Isn't it interesting that God already knows the sins that you're going to mess up in? I know this is, uh, this is hard to think about, but God already knew. He already knew and he already knows. And look what he tells Simon. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you each like wheat. This is to take you out. Listen, if you are, if you are struggling like you've never struggled before, you've got to know that you're at another level and that you are a target. You are a target. Beware. The enemy roams around like a roaring lion. He wants you to fall. He wants you to get condemned. He wants your faith to get shipwrecked. But this is what Jesus said. Jesus told Peter, I know what you're about to do. He said, I know what you're about to do. You're going to deny me. Peter's like, I'll never deny you. He said, I know what you're about to do. He says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you. Do you know what God is doing right now at the right hand of the Father? He is praying for the saints. I don't know about you, but that gives me some confidence that Jesus himself is at the right hand interceding on my behalf. What is God thinking about you? He's praying for you. He's saying angels go out, Holy Spirit work. He's beginning to pray for you nonstop at the throne. God is praying for you. He said the enemy, tried to, he's going to try to take you out. But li listen, this is the thing. I'm praying for you. Listen to what he says. Simon that your faith should not fail. See, what was, what was he concerned about? Was he concerned really about him falling in the future? He was concerned about his faith. See, God is more concerned about what you believe and who he is because a lot of times we can start this Christian road and get discouraged and God is saying, do you believe? Will you get back up? Will you have faith? Do you believe that I'm greater? Some of you today, I believe God is going to begin to release the chains because you feel discouraged on the inside, and God says, I've already made you free. If you could see the end from the beginning, you would know that you already have victory. Listen to what he says. He says, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. It seemed like God was more involved and more concerned about what, God, what Peter was going to follow and do than the sin that he even committed. God is saying, hey, okay, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get back up and I want you to begin to love people. I want you to get back up and I want you to begin to follow me. Well, I don't deserve to follow you. No, nobody does. Nobody does. But he gave it all because he loves us. Come on, somebody. You should be more excited than this because it is the secret to living the good life. 
You cannot lose. He says, when you get done with it, I want you to begin, I want you to repent, and I want you to begin to love people. Well, I'm not qualified to tell anybody about God. I'm not qualified to reach out to, yeah, neither was Peter. But he repented, he preached the gospel, 3,000 people came to God. What the enemy wants you to do is keep you from following the Holy Spirit. What the enemy wants to keep you from doing is not getting back up and following after him and hitting the mark. That's what the enemy wants to do. But I believe this. I believe this week that all heaven's going to rejoice over us every day and they're going to begin to shout bullseye. Bullseye, they got it. They're going to begin to shout, he hit the mark. He hit the mark. He got back up. He got back up. Listen to what Listen to what David said. And we're going to close, I promise. Actually, I have 11 minutes, but I'm closing in five. Listen to what David said, Psalms 51, 12 through 13. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then, say then, I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. What is he saying? I blew it but I'm getting back up and I'm going to begin to represent you. I'm going to get back up and I'm going to begin to follow after you. I'm going to begin to love people. The truth is you're unqualified, but the good news is God qualifies the called. He calls those that are unqualified to be qualified, not because of what you did, but because of what you believe. Because you believe that you have victory, God's going to give you victory. I wrote on on Facebook this week, and I love this scripture. I love this scripture. It is, um, it's David again. He says this in Psalms 35, 3, lift up your spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Listen to what he says. God, let me hear you say, I will give you victory. Let me hear you say, I will give you victory. You know what you need to hear God say to you today? You're going to win. I got this thing. Yes, you might have fallen, but I'm going to give you victory. You need to stop and you need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit because, see, we work from victory, not for victory. I had somebody got upset on Facebook and said, you know what, God is only going to give you victory when you obey. See, see, this is where we have something mixed up because the only way that I have the power to obey is to know that I have the victory. The only way I have the grace to obey is not about the law and what I did and what I couldn't do. And yes, God wants you to walk in this faith, but he wants you to hear the victory that you already have from the cross. Come on, you need to give God a shout. You need to give God a shout because he gave us victory at the cross. He sees the end from the beginning. He says, I'm going to see it through. I'm going to finish the work that I started in you. Come on, if you say, you know what, I'm going to begin to hear that I have the victory. I'm going to begin to, re- I'm going to turn away from those things. I'm going to re-aim and I'm going to begin to go for it in again. Come on, if that's you, just stand up right where you are. Right where you are.